Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kay Pittman, alongside regular Locked On Bucks co-host now, Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network. Justin, I've dragged you back on. You were shocked. You asked me if this was Sunday. Why was I texting you on a Tuesday evening for a Wednesday show? But here we are. Uh, we are back together again. And it's, uh, it is kind of hard to keep track of what day it was. There was just an NFL game on, and, and that's completely thrown me off. I don't even know what's going on anymore. It's like uh, one of those days when you're either like really sick or just tired and you take a nap and that nap turns out to be like four hours. So it isn't really a nap. And then you're like just lost for the next two days. It seems like you're like, wait a minute, today is Thursday. That's what I felt like. Like, holy cow. I already went through an entire week that it is already Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's very strange. To be honest, I think we're going to have to get used to this with the NFL. And obviously baseball's about to finish. So there'll be no sports for a while. I guess, outside of football, but, uh, but who knows? It's, it's just been a strange year. Yesterday's show got some pretty good reaction, actually, from the talk about Danilo Gallinari. So we're going to uh, just look at a few of the responses I got on Twitter from that. And Justin, get your thoughts on Gallinari as well. And then we'll finish this one off today. We'll talk a little bit of LeBron, talk a little bit of Jordan. And why the hell does Giannis have to get dragged into every single conversation about LeBron right now for some reason? It's very odd to me. It's a very strange thing, but we'll touch on that as well. But right off the top, when Gallinari, or when the report came out from Sportando that suggested that Gallinari would potentially prioritize playing for a contender over money as an unrestricted free agent uh, upcoming here, uh, was your first thought, oh, I wonder how the Bucks could try and figure this out, as it was for mine? Um, yeah, well, and the thing with, with Gallinari is, I, I mean... You know, going back to the trade deadline, I guess there was the the minor hope of man, if the Bucks could put something together to get him, and then going into the free agency period. Now this what fall, uh, he was probably tops on a lot of people's lists, but it was very much with the caveat of this would be great, but it, there's no way he's going to take what the mid level I think is what they have in play this year. That there's no way we can get him for that. When you saw those comments. It did make me pause for a minute and think, well, maybe. I mean, if he really means, hey, I've been in the league long enough, I want to win now, maybe. I mean, I, I still don't see Gallinari signing somewhere for a mid-level exception or room exception and getting, you know, anywhere from, what, five to nine million a year. But who knows? Stranger things have happened, especially this year. Yeah, I do certainly feel that it's still, as I sort of pointed to yesterday, a very, very, very long shot that the Bucks could pull in, uh, pull this off because I, I do think even a significant discount for Gallinari, what I think he could get in the wide open market, would still be uh, higher or a, a larger figure than what the Bucks could offer him, as you're talking about with potentially you know a mid-level exception or something like that. I think in the open market, I mean, based on the way he's played the last few seasons, given his last contract, 
I do think that he would be a player. Again, it's always difficult to throw these out because we don't know where the salary cap is going to lie. But I, I do think he's a guy that could probably command mid-teens uh, pushing up towards $20 million a season. I don't think that's outrageous. No, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, you know, especially... I guess the toughest part of all of this is, you know, we don't really know what to expect in this offseason for a number of reasons. And the biggest is what you just mentioned with... We don't know what the cap is going to be that we think we're pretty sure. Um, but, you know, this year and next year is the most difficult part as well in figuring out how you're going to load those contracts is next year is an even bigger question mark for what the cap is going to look like. And, you know, we've talked about the limited amount of teams that had the money when we thought we knew what the cap was. And then also, you know, uh, not a very inspiring class of free agents. So you wonder what that's going to do and if it will, you know, artificially increase some of the value for some of these guys. We talked about that a lot with the backcourt and with guys like Fred Van Vliet and potentially Goran Dragic. But, you know, with Gallinari, I mean, it's basically if you're looking for dependable uh, big men and guys that can play the forward positions, it's, you know, again, just like the backcourt, you can probably count on one hand and just off the top of my head, assuming uh, guys that we don't think are going to hit the market don't, it's probably Gallinari and Paul Millsap are the two guys you would point to as forwards. Yeah, it certainly strikes me as a year where a lot of these options are going to be taken up, particularly the ones for the 20 plus million dollars. I was trying to think just now of some other contending teams that would potentially have money because as is usually the case, most of the teams that are solidified as contenders just simply don't have a lot of cap space. Anyway, one team that does stick out to me is the team that potentially could have signed him at the trade deadline. And I think there was some talk about an extension and Miami weren't willing to extend Gallinari. And that's where this all becomes interesting. I wonder whether his mindset has legitimately changed or this is all just a little bit of, I don't know, fake, fake, fake interest that he's putting in the, in the contenders. I'm not hundred percent sure, but Miami uh, would be a team considering that uh, Dragic obviously is going to be a free agent, depending on what happens with him. Uh, Crowder as well on a significant uh, money number there. So Miami would be a team that could probably outprice the Bucks for Gallinari, depending on what happens. But outside of that, there isn't a lot of teams. Maybe Denver would be a team that would try and get Gallinari back. Obviously, there's history there. Maybe he would have some interest in, in going back uh, that way and trying to win out there. But, you know, I, I think ultimately, it's, as has been the case the last couple of years, I think the Bucks are a team that, should be in the mix just virtually virtually based on what they've been able to do uh, the last couple of seasons. Uh, I, I do wonder whether the, the playoff results this year maybe uh, hurts them a little bit, but I think as far as opportunities to not only make a deep playoff run, but also play a significant role, uh, Milwaukee would be somewhat attractive. Yeah, they would be attractive. and it, it, It's funny too, because the first team I immediately drifted towards as well was uh, Miami, given, as you pointed out, the you know, basically they're at the goal line from the way it sounded at the trade deadline to get him. And uh, we knew about the interest there you know, long before the offseason. And, uh, I mean, if you're interested in winning, it's tough to argue against a team that just reached the NBA Finals. And also, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he would be an ideal replacement for Jay Crowder. And I understand defensively maybe he can't do the same things that Jay Crowder can, but – um, you know, it was also an advanced state of Jay Crowder's career, but offensively, he provides everything else that Jay was doing. You know, it, it's it's easy now to think about Jay Crowder 
the bubble version and what we saw there. Um, but I, I mean, a lot of fans in Cleveland are going to say, Hey, I don't remember who this guy was. And even, you know, Memphis and going back to before uh, we began playing Orlando, that was nowhere near what Jay Crowder was playing like. All right. Let's talk built bar, Justin. We know it's the best tasting protein bar ever made. It's new and improved. They had the original 12 flavors that we all love. That included peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, and you can go up and down the list, but now they've got 18 flavors. They've added six new flavors that include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and carrot cake, among others there. Uh, I love it. I, I can't talk up this product enough. I, I, they ship it out to me over in Australia. Uh, I'm very fortunate for that. The best thing about it is that it's great for the health-conscious guy. So not only does it fill you up, it gives you a little burst of energy, but you're not doing to yourself any damage in the process. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat because the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Of course, as always, we've got a great deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's right. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Crowd is going to be another guy that probably won't get too much more than the minimum. I think clearly the longer the playoffs went, he's shooting obviously came crashing back down to earth. And I, I think that he will be, uh, you know, again, I mean, you talk about guys the Bucks could potentially target. I think the concern would be the lack of shooting. And that's why Gallinari is such an attractive player. A uh, few of the comments we got uh, on uh, my tweet here, Derek Carlson says, not, not sure he'd be willing to come off the bench as I don't know who Bud would bench uh, for him, but I'd love to see him as a Buck. So Gallinari, a player, that has averaged over 30 minutes per game in 611 NBA games. He started 541 of those. So certainly outside of basically his rookie season, he's been a guy that's, that's really almost started every single game he's played and been a, a, a mostly a, a big part of the offense wherever he's been. He's averaged 11.5 shots per game across the course of his career. One of the things that I pointed out, uh, yesterday, just looking at the numbers for cl- um, cleaning the glass for his position played, he's virtually played exclusively throughout his career. Like we're talking like high 90% uh, of his time at the four. Uh, clearly, that's, that's where Giannis plays in a lot of lineups for the Bucks. So how would you see the, the actual fit when it comes to uh, a Milwaukee roster? Well, uh, it, it almost feels like one of the things that we have uh, talked about, I believe you and I have talked about this, maybe once or so uh, during this brief off season so far is look, if the bucks are going to make um, some type of big move that involves moving somebody that's on the roster, I know the person that uh, is, is getting most of the calls from the fan base is Eric Bledsoe. uh, But it, it certainly seems like Brooke Lopez would be the one that would make the most sense for both parties, both being the other team, given the value that he has, and his value is never going to be higher than it is this season. So it, it, it kind of feels like if they are going to do something and, you know, let's say Danilo Gallinari says, I want to come here, but I'm not taking that exception number that, you know, you're going to have to create some more room. Brooks, the most likely guy to get moved. And that makes sense for a number of reasons. Number one, as we said, you're going to get more return for Brook than you would anybody else in this roster other than Chris Middleton. Um, but also it clears the way 
to work out that lineup to get him on the floor where, you know, one of the things I was kicking around earlier too is I guess, could you technically cheat? It's not ideal. And I don't think you would play this lineup extended minutes at all, uh, but you could technically cheat. And I guess Gallinari could technically be your three, even though his ideal spot is the four, but because of Giannis on the floor and the defensive ability Giannis has to cover, he would essentially be your defensive three and Danilo would be taking over the four there where you could go big, especially since we don't know what the future is with Wesley Matthews and just slide Chris back to the two and then play a front court of Giannis, Danilo Gunnarari and uh, Brooke Lopez. But, uh, you know, that seems like you're, you're moving towards a brand of basketball that, you know, it may work in the regular season, but we're starting to see more and more ways to scheme against that. Yeah, that's interesting because you bring up Brooke Lopez and my first thought was, well, if you're going to remove anyone from the starting lineup, it's not going to be Brooke because you're not going to start Giannis at the five. And we've spoke a lot about the small lineups and I say small with in air quotes because Giannis is a seven footer. So one of the things we always talk about when we say small ball, it's not actually small ball. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the Lakers uh, moving Anthony Davis to the five. It's like, okay, Overall, sure, your lineup might be a little bit smaller, but you've still got a seven-footer playing the fire. So come on. But the Bucks, if if that was the case and that was what they did and they did move on from Brooke and it is has been something we spoke about a lot, I, I think there's some merit to the people that would want to do that, again, for the, all the reasons you pointed out there. You're still going to have to start someone at the five. And I, I don't think yeah. you're going to start Robin Lopez. I don't think he provides any flexibility, really, in lineups with Giannis as well. Because one of the benefits that you've had from Brook, not only is he more versatile uh, as an offensive player, but he, he's actually a threat shooting the three. Robin Lopez, uh, while we all had fun with it, he's not at that point right now. So you would still have to then solve a problem at the five for a starting position. And, and sure, you could play extended minutes with Giannis playing center and, and Gallinari at the four. But I think... Ultimately, maybe your last point is the one that, that is a little bit interesting. Would you start Danilo Gallinari at the three, or would you simply just say, eh, screw it. You're coming off the bench, but you're going to be a guy that plays 30 minutes a night, so don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, and that's essentially what you because just the to, opposite. Because just to jump in, like when we talk about the fourth quarter lineups and, and what we wanted to see more of defensively and offensively, it's down the stretch where it matters, where you say, okay, let's put Giannis at the five. Uh, that switch everything defensively and that's cause absolute chaos and then space the floor. And, and as we spoke about, if you have a Middleton and Gallinari out in the floor, potentially it is a West Matthews or whoever it may be, but another shooter as well. And Giannis, those are the types of lineups I think everyone wants to see more of, particularly in close games down the stretch. Yeah. Essentially the opposite of what you would be doing uh, with the center position. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't have Brooke where it's, yeah, maybe this player start, but you're only going to be playing 15, 20 minutes and the bulk of the playing time would probably go to, you know, Golinari and you move Giannis to the five. And I think the thing that makes that probably most difficult for the Bucks to move down that path, um, it, at least in terms of an outsider viewing it, is the decision by Marvin Williams probably dealt a pretty big blow to that because – Marvin Williams would have ideally been one of those types of guys we're talking about that you would look to as a dependable guy that he's technically a starter for you, but he's not really playing starters minutes. It's just so you don't have to play Giannis at the five, the duration of the game. And when he decided to retire, I mean, 
you know, we've all talked about how we all kind of assumed Marvin Williams would be coming back to this team next year. And you saw what he did in that heat series and you saw the value there. And, you know, we started to wonder, okay, well, maybe now we'll start to see more lineups like this. Some of their best lineups were, you know, with Marvin and Giannis in the front court. So maybe we'll get to see a little bit more of that during the regular season. And that certainly you think would have opened the door for that possibility with Gallinari, but uh, his retirement just throws a wrench into all that. So I think the reason why, before we move on here, I think the reason why I'm so excited about any potential Gallinari addition and why I would be doing, I'd be moving some stuff around to make this happen is because when we spoke about why the Bucks are so limited this offseason, it's because I didn't think that there was going to be a player out there that the Bucks could add to their roster with the money they had without forcing some sort of weird trade and giving up some sort of strange assets. And that's why Gallinari, whether it was the exception or a little bit more than that, whether if he was willing to come for a money figure around that mark, it's just not the type of player I didn't think that they would be able to attain, acquire. So I think as much as we have spoke about Marvin Williams, and, and I would have been thrilled to have him back, I think he would have been a player that would, would have been in the rotation. He would have been able to do some different things in different lineups. Much like Paul Millsap, another guy we spoke about yesterday, I don't see Marvin Williams or Paul Millsap as a guy that is lifting the Bucks to a title. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. think that they are actually... They're not the impact guys that Danilo has the, uh, the, the potential to be that impact guy for you in the playoffs. Exactly, exactly. I mean, if you're talking about what they can do defensively, sure, that's, that's, that's cool, and it gives you some more flexibility. But offensively, they're not threats. Gallinari is a legitimate threat. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is he's a legitimate threat. He is obviously far more skilled offensively than either of those two players. And if we're just looking at Marvin Williams too, um, while he unlocks a lot of things or unlocked a lot of things for you and allowed you to play those lineups that a lot of fans are salivating over and want to see Giannis at the five, look at how you got Marvin Williams. That if you're just looking for a guy that's kind of a tweener between forward and center – and athletic enough to hold up at both spots, and it just basically takes some of the load away from Giannis. I mean, you got Marvin Williams as a buyout candidate. These are the types of guys, Jay Crowder, again, to go back to him, was a throw-in in that trade for Andre Iguodala, that these are guys you can find. Where Whether it's you know in the offseason or if it's a smaller-scale trade or a buyout, you can fill that spot during the season somehow, or you're more apt to, I should say. But to land a guy like Danilo Gallinari, if it's even remotely possible for the Bucs, um, you know, I don't know that it entirely changes that series, but it certainly makes things interesting, especially with Giannis down to injury against the Heat. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the, the one thing we learned uh, throughout the postseason was just the, the lack of another guy. And clearly, you know, Giannis is the focal point. And as you sort of said, once he went down, it probably ultimately didn't matter. But uh, Chris Milton was carrying a significant load. There's no doubt about that. So any addition of a player of the caliber of Gallinari would be, would be just huge for this team. You know, one other team that uh, I guess is somewhat interesting, as you pointed out a few, and I think, I think it's really Miami is the team to keep an eye on uh, with him because it's not anything huge that's going to disrupt their cap. We know they're, they're putting all their eggs in the 2021 basket and, I believe, you know, they would still have the max slot open and and this wouldn't impact that at all. 
Um, but the other one that's somewhat interesting is Toronto, because I believe they have about $20 million, And uh, I'm not sure if it's even more now with Marcus Soule's decision, but they have cap room and they have the best coach in the league in all likelihood. And it's a team that, you know, we've seen what they've been able to do under that coach the last two years. That's basically what they're missing is, you know, more offense and some more size. So that would be another interesting team. Uh, if I was Gallinari and I was kind of examining, I'm interested in winning here. Here's my short list of contenders other than just, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to sign with the Lakers or the Warriors. Quick note from our friends over at Roman now. And listen, we all know it can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves, but Roman is here to get you the advice you want and help you need with no shame at all. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now with Roman, it's easy. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. All you have to do is go to getroman.com slash locked on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. All right. The one other topic I wanted to get to today, and it's come up because everywhere you look, whether it's on Twitter, any type of social media, TV shows, whatever it is, everyone's talking about LeBron, everyone's talking about Michael Jordan, and somehow intertwined in all this is still some Yana slander and I don't really understand it. I don't understand why Giannis has somehow got caught up in the conversation with Michael Jordan and LeBron. Now, clearly, it's still some people that are just bitter about the fact that Giannis won the MVP. We've gone over that a million times. I don't think we need to touch on it again. But is it just me that has found this a little bit strange the last couple of days? Um, I mean, it's, I'm not so much taken aback by it now. It was, you know, once we heard the comments from LeBron after Giannis won the MVP, you knew, okay, so this is where we're going. We're just going hundred percent petty. And if the Lakers win a title, expect to hear more from LeBron. And we did seconds afterwards, uh, with, you know, looking for his respect and the same for Rob Palenka, who is looking for the respect and still looking for that high five. So um, I, I'm not totally shocked by it. I think the thing that I guess somewhat catches me off guard with the Giannis thing is, look, I get that you are going to have a certain segment of basketball fans that are going to be Giannis detractors probably from here until eternity because he's won back-to-back MVPs and his team – Uh, lost four straight games in the conference finals and then was blown out and and really should have been swept in the second round of the playoffs the following year in those two years. So you're going to have the people that say, well, if he's the MVP, why isn't he leading his team to a championship or at least to the finals? And David Robinson and other players heard the same thing throughout the years before finally breaking through. So that part doesn't surprise me. But, you know, just the number of uh, basketball fans and not just Lakers fans, uh, but just the number of fans that you hear kind of leaning towards that, uh, the volume of it does surprise me because, look, outside of his teams falling short in these two years, I mean, what has Giannis done 
to warrant any criticism that you can look back at prior guys who haven't gotten as far. If you're going to criticize guys like James Harden, uh, I get that. And some of that he brings on himself. But the part that just, I guess, catches me off guard is, look, outside of his team falling short, and Giannis isn't going to hide from that, what has Giannis done to catch these <laughs> strays that he's getting? So the one thing uh, I will say, and, and I, you know, I, I'm absolutely fine if some of the listeners completely disagree with me here and think that this is just a ridiculous thing that I'm about to say. But when Giannis did put the crown on in that game against the Lakers back in December, first of all, I thought it was, I thought it was 100% badass. And I was like, man, this is really cool. This is a pretty cool thing he did. But then I, I did very quickly in the, the seconds after that think, well, shit, this is the type of thing that LeBron... I mean, like, think about it. LeBron's been walking out acting like everyone's disrespecting him. Like the only conversation people are having about LeBron is whether he's the greatest basketballer of all time or the second greatest basketballer of all time. Like what the hell are you on about? No one actually disrespects you. So he will latch onto the tiniest, tiniest thing and just and just use it. Which, you know, again, listen, if everyone watched The Last Dance, they saw that Michael Jordan was similar. I mean, the great players clearly uh, have to motivate themselves in different ways. But when I did see Giannis put the crown on, I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. If, we, if the Bucs play the Lakers uh, in, the, uh, in the finals, I'm going to be worried about this. This is going to concern me because LeBron is just going to go absolutely nuts and just to, to, just, just to prove a point. So I don't know. Maybe that's the only thing you could have slander on. But come on. If, if that's actually something that people think are worth slandering Giannis about, I mean, you see him, uh, the way he acts, the, the joy that he plays the game with, how much fun he has, how, how loved he is with his own team. I agree. I mean, I, I don't understand how you could slander him. And the only thing I can come up with is uh, all good players, uh, once they uh, start to win and they're not on other people's teams and they move into this free agency, the fans go from, hating a guy to they're on his team and all of a sudden he's the greatest. And the latest example you have to look at that is simply Lakers fans with LeBron who all of a sudden he's, he's the greatest player of all time because he's playing for the Lakers. What if he would have actually run up to LeBron, mimicked taking the crown off of LeBron's head and putting it on his own head? What do you think LeBron would have actually done in the moment? Like, I, I don't, I mean, LeBron's, I've never really seen him get involved in any type of... I mean, he sort of puffs his chest out a little bit, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that's looking for a fight. Yeah, we've never seen... You've never... I mean, outside of the finals against the Mavs uh, in 2011, and even then it was different, we've never seen LeBron... uh, How do I put it? We've never seen anybody able to really get under his skin and uh, really affect him that way, where you've seen LeBron agitated, and we saw it at times in the series against the Heat, but it's uh, it's more of the eye roll thing with LeBron. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, the series before, too, against the Rockets, when uh, Russell Westbrook and LeBron rolled his eyes at him a couple of times, especially I think it was in Game 5, uh, where you'll see those minor things, but we've never seen anybody really stoke the fire against LeBron like that. And Giannis, on the other hand, he's got a little bit of crazy. (laughs) He's he's got a little bit of crazy in him. We've seen him. uh, And most of the time, to be fair, most of the time it's against uh, lower players where he's just like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're just trying to hurt me right now. Uh, We saw that, obviously, uh, with with Bertans. A couple of times, but in the bubble game, which, by the way, feels like a long time ago. But, yeah, Giannis Giannis is always... On the flip side, if if LeBron would do that to Giannis, I mean, you would need 
Sterling Brown on the floor to intercept and make sure because Giannis, I wouldn't put it past him to try and punch LeBron in the face. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got that in him. And uh, you know, I said this before. Maybe the pre pre game wrestling routines got him a little too fired up. He was ready to fight. I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, I just you know I've spoke about this. I think I might have brought this up on the podcast before. But when you look at Giannis right now, 25 years old, and he has two MVPs, four all-star appearances, zero titles. LeBron in his 25-year-old uh, season uh, had an extra all-star berth, uh, two extra all-star berths, and did make the finals once, but zero championships and two MVPs. So come on, so what are we doing here? Why are we comparing Giannis to LeBron in the first place? They're in the, basically the exact same position in their careers. Giannis obviously has taken a little bit of, of a different path, but in terms of uh, accolades, they're... They're basically in the same spot. Obviously, Giannis has a couple of different awards, most improved defensive player of the year as well. But that's why it's always so ridiculous. I mean, I don't think even... I, and, and look, there would be some Bucks fans, but I don't think there's many Bucks fans out here that are, are trying to say that they think Giannis is going to be better than LeBron when it's all said and done. I mean, I, I think that's like absolutely absurd. I don't think anyone's saying that, but it doesn't mean that you need to slander Giannis to get your point off about LeBron being great. We all know he's... We all know he's great. As I said, we're talking about whether he's the best or the second best of all time. I mean, I gotta, I gotta hand it to LeBron and Maverick Carter and everybody else there with Clutch too. That what they have been able to do the last few years to really, I mean, you you brought it up a couple of minutes ago, but to make sure whenever you say the name Michael Jordan, you are mentioning LeBron James as well, and make sure he is injected into that conversation for greatest of all time talk. Um, It's, you know, it's remarkable where we, we were certainly, we knew LeBron was one of the all time greats, but you know, as recently as three years ago, I mean, the narrative was, well, yeah, LeBron is one of the, the greatest players of all time. He's probably the best player. Not probably is the best player of this generation, but everybody pointed to the finals record. And now it's, it's what four and six now, uh, I mean, four titles is a lot, and getting to 10 championship appearances is a lot as well. Um, but we're forgetting those six losses. And look, as much as I don't want to play the, well, Michael would never do this, some of those series, look, Michael against the Warriors, <laughs> and especially the last few, I don't care who's on his team. Michael Jordan isn't winning those series. But there are some that we're going to look back on and think, well, look, if it was this version of LeBron, there's no way the Heat lose that first championship to the Mavs if, if it was if this this LeBron we're seeing now. But some of that is still a little tough to overlook. And yet here we are of, you know, some people trying to say with a straight face, LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. Well, I, I didn't see anything in these NBA finals to tell me that uh, he's going to slow down anytime soon. I mean, it, it has to happen at some point, I guess. I guess it has to happen at some point, but I still just look at him physically and, and my goodness, I mean, the, the, the guy is just, he's, it's almost like he's becoming more of a monster with each year that he ages. I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know. There'll be skeptics out there, but I'll tell you what, he, uh, yeah, as I said, I think he's going to be around and I wouldn't put it past him, particularly with Anthony Davis on his team and potentially the Lakers finding a way to even strengthen that roster. I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't put it past him having another couple of finals appearances in there. The most amazing part of all of it was, you know, the eight straight appearances in the finals. And, and you can point to, well, the East was down during those times. Fine. But, I mean, the fact that this guy, if you played in his conference, 
you weren't getting to the finals unless he was your teammate for eight straight years. And, you know, we're basically talking about the last decade where I know he didn't make it with the Lakers last year, but we're basically talking about the last decade. He has been in every single finals series that there's that meme that's out there on Twitter of, will I play in the finals this year? And you follow the flow chart of is LeBron in your team. I mean, it is amazing how accurate that is. Long story short. Just back off Giannis, okay? Everyone out there, just 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 back off, off Giannis. And I know none of our listeners are, are the culprits there, but, you know, this guy's only 25. He's got a decade ahead of him to, uh, to join his brother Costas and eventually eclipse his ring tally uh, in the NBA Finals. So, you know, it just frustrated me a little bit. I wanted to, wanted to talk about that a bit. But uh, as I said right from the top, uh, no longer a guest. You're just a regular now. And who knows? You could get a text from me any day. Uh, to come and and talk through whatever is happening. I keep saying it, but I, I do feel like things are going to really start to heat up here. It's going it's going to be interesting. I think one of the more interesting Bucks off seasons we've had in a long time, and that's pretty mir- miraculous to say. Well, and uh, last thing on that LeBron thing, were you more frustrated by the fans that have slandered Giannis or by Javale McGee? pointing out who gives a crap about the Greek freak. This is the first Adetokounmpo to win a championship here, uh, pointing to Costas. Well, JaVale McGee, I put JaVale McGee in the same category as, uh, you know, Nick Young, uh, players like this where anytime they really say anything, I, I, don't, I mean, no one takes it seriously. The, the entire, we can admit to this, the entire experience of watching the Lakers win the championship, regardless of how you feel about the Lakers, that entire experience, getting to see Rondo and little Rondo on the floor drinking after the game, uh, J.R. Smith, the first one to grab the trophy, J.R. Smith shirtless immediately, what we just said about JaVale McGee, LeBron's comments about not getting respect, LeBron saying Rob Palenka doesn't get respect, and Rob Palenka still left hanging on the high five. The entire experience, I wouldn't trade it for the world. They just needed... Uh... Michael Beasley. That was the one thing that was missing on that roster. Man, can you imagine Michael Beasley in the bubble winning a championship? Well, he was on that team, man. He was on that team 12 months earlier. They needed him out there, but uh, not to be. Very sad. Sad times for Bees. But what do you reckon? Wrap it up? Why not? All right. We will be back again tomorrow. Who knows what's going to happen overnight, honestly. I, I, I can't keep track. At some point, we need to talk draft. I think draft is really interesting. Sam Vecini, who's been on the podcast before, and fellow Australian now. He's uh, in hotel quarantine right now in Sydney. He's moved across to Australia, so uh, good for him. But we're going to get him back on at some point to talk about the draft pick 24. Obviously, what value that pick even has as an asset this year in a, in a pretty weak draft. So we'll take a look at some draft stuff as we move along here. But for Justin and myself, don't forget to continue sending in your ideas and thoughts and any comments you have about what we talked about on the pod. But until tomorrow, stay safe. We'll catch you guys then.